0: Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday. Friday. Can you believe it's Friday? I can't believe how fast you know the days go by. I'm Steve Peasley. I thank you for joining me, and I hope you will call me this is a call-in show we talk about anything financial anything financial you want to talk about we'll discuss it so therefore you shape the show in any direction you want it to go because but it's got to be financial of course Um, but uh, it's all an effort to give it to help us achieve that financial freedom goal that we're all after i know i am i i think i'm pretty darn close um i think i have a A a, a depression era mentality that I need to have more to protect myself just in case. And since I have no children, there's no one going to take care of me and my wife in our old age. So I got to have enough money to pay for that. So, you know, I always have that mentality in my head. I got to keep growing my money. Maybe I don't, but I have it in my head. You may not be there at that point. You may have the same mentality I do. I don't know. It's all, this show is all about trying to help us all make more money. And we always can use more, not everybody, but a lot of us could. So, you know, and we're going to do that by sharing all the information, all the knowledge amongst ourselves. And, you know, that's the philosophy that we go, shared uh, independent thinking, shared success. So I'm going to do my best to try to get you there. Now, just a reminder, uh, my New York trip is full. But I have added new dates. On October 10th, I will be uh, back to San Jose, California. I used to go there once a month. And I'm also taking reservations for a second New York City trip. That'll be November 7th. November 7th. Remember, these are personalized evaluations. Take a look at your your financial situation. Take a look at your portfolio. See if you're in the right path to, to get to that financial freedom goal we all have. So and of course, if I you know if KPP Financial can help you with help managing your funds, that's fine. We'll be happy to do. It. I want to do that, and that's one of the you know I'm not keeping the secret here. This is this is why I do this radio show and the podcast is to let everybody know that we're around and we're we manage money and we'll help you, and we'll help you either manage your money or just help you. Period. We'll do it either way because I want to. So if you want to meet with me, go to investtalk.com, investtalk.com and register. Earlier you register, the better chance you have of getting the time. Talking points today, what are we going to discuss? A fear bubble is creating a huge buying opportunity. This is an interesting article, and he and this is a very smart guy. We'll get into it. And he thinks that there might be a fear bubble, that too many, there's too much fear out there. Hmm. i also want to talk about the jobless claims uh out this week i want to talk about jobless job report if uh you know one point or another i want to get to that today um i want to also talk about silver you know i've been we you know we for months now even going back to the end of last year we were talking about gold but probably it's going to have a decent year in 2019 and it is we, we didn't really talk about silver. Do you think I think silver might have a better potential from this date forward than gold? So I want to talk about that. And did you see what the mortgage rates are? They're coming down still. So we're going to discuss those things. But, of course, you drive the show. It's wherever you want it to go. Let's go ahead and take a call. Let's go to Eric in Kentucky. How you doing, Eric?
2: Hey, Steve. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for the call.
2: Thanks, man. I appreciate the podcast. Uh... I'm a big sports fan, but your show show's more entertaining to me than SportsCenter, so I want to give you props. Uh, well, thanks. Appreciate it. Wanted to, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, informative, always, always, and entertaining. Um, anyways, Steve, uh, I'm 27. Uh, I've, I've done well with just the constant buy-and-hold strategy with the total stock market fund, but I really, really am intrigued with a stock versus ETF REIT. Uh, and I'm talking long-term. I was curious, at okay. my age and with telecommunications versus the ETF basket, if American Tower AMT would be a good buy to continue contributing to or Fidelity S-R-E-L, which is a basket of ETFs and different type of REITs. Uh, I'll go ahead and hang up and listen to you on the show. Have a great weekend.
1: Okay, um, American Tower, AMT, it's a REIT that owns cellular towers used by wireless service providers and TV and radio broadcast companies. And I'll tell you this, their earnings are going to continue to go up. It's going to grow very slowly because they're pretty much saturated. Uh, but as a long-term hold, it, it'll probably be pretty well. They have a lot of debt. To build out all those towers, they had to borrow a lot of money to get there, get there. And they're still doing it. It's not like they're not growing. They are. But they have a lot of debt, and their payout—the the, the yield—is only one point five percent. If I could talk you into Eric, uh, I would like to talk you into maybe a different branch of REITs. Uh, I would I would suggest that you move into the take a look at the various medical REITs that are out there. Uh, there's there's a number of them, and they you know, they do assisted living hospitals. Uh, you know, um, just all kinds of anything related to medical facilities. The reason why I'm suggesting this is because I'm, I'm I'm based on the baby boomers, my my generation. There's so many of us that we're going to be flooding these places, and I think they have much better growth potential. I like American Tower. Don't get me wrong, but the towers are being built out, and there's there's a lot of them now. Uh, so I think it's growth spurt. You know, twenty percent plus is over, and to get to the the build out that they had, they still they have a lot of debt they got to pay down. Great cash flow, seven dollars and sixty four cents, and their earnings are going to be eight dollars and seventy six cents a share. It's a two hundred thirty two dollar stock. It's expensive, so I wouldn't buy this at this point. But I do love the company. I think it's a good, solid business. But we want to buy right, Eric. That's, that's what I want to do. Take a look at some of the medical REITs and see if some of those are undervalued and paying a lot better dividend. Remember, if you're a long-term guy, you want to collect those dividends long-term. This is Invest Talk, and we have an important invitation to a, a new KPP Wealth Management conference, a new conference. The title is Earnings Yield in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds. The event will be led by me and Justin. Plus, we will be joined by two real estate experts and a trust attorney. Uh, the date is October 12th. It's October 12th, held in Irvine, California. Sign up early to get reduced pricing. Learn more at InvestTalk.com and InvestTalk.com with two Ts. And now I'm taking your financial investing questions live, 888-99 chart.
0: Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888 99Chart is our number, 888 992 4278. Let's go talk to Bob in San Bernardino. How do you doing, Bob?
3: Well, I must confess in all humility that I violated one of your principles by Uh-oh. investing in a fund that I don't understand very well. Okay, let's
1: talk about it. It's
3: the Vanguard V-Victor C-Charlie V-Victor S-Sugar X-Ray.
1: Okay, so the Vanguard bond fund there.
3: It's a convertible.
1: Okay, do you know what a convertible means?
3: Just the general idea that they, it combines the qualities of stocks and bonds and they can go back and forth.
1: Yeah, well... Well, they don't go back and forth they go in one direction so you have a convertible bond fund meaning that the bonds in there can convert to the stocks stocks cannot convert back to bonds yeah
3: i told you i don't understand it yeah so the
1: bond says okay this is a convertible bond it can have it may it's probably full of convertible preferreds meaning paying their high dividend payers So a convertible is better than just a straight vanilla bond fund in this environment, Bob. Why? Because they can convert to stocks, which stocks probably will move better. It depends on the convertible. You and I, Bob, by the way, will never, ever know exactly what the bond convertible bond funds that they actually own in the Vanguard that we won't really know. Because you can look up their holdings but then you have to do some investigating to find out well when does it convert to a stock? And what in what situations do all these various convertible bonds convert to stocks? And is it to my benefit or not? See it gets very complex.
2: Now
3: he claims Oak Tree Capital Management mm-hmm. is the fund advisor. Uh-huh. And in their sales point they make the claim that they so their selections are based upon both appreciation and minimizing our downside protection
1: and that's probably true when you're talking about a convertible bond he's not telling you a lie that is true in a convertible bond it does help on the downside movement because of the bond portion of that stays more steady what he's not telling you is interest rates affect bond funds dramatically and that if interest rates go up, chances are good that your convertible bond fund will go down, but just not a lot.
3: Okay. Well, you've given me uh, more uh, anxiety now that I know oh, it's a bond I'm fund. i sorry.
1: I didn't mean to do that, Bob. I really didn't.
3: Well, at least I understand <laughs> the risk I'm taking. That's well, <laughs> improvement over not understanding at all.
1: Okay. I appreciate the call. Thank you, Bob. I really do.
0: A quick reminder, if there's a term that you hear mentioned on the program, but you're unclear about what it means or you have a question about it, we want you to ask. It's very likely that you're not the only one with that same question. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART is
1: our number. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Albert in San Mateo. How are you doing, Albert? I'm getting,
4: doing well. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I had a question. I want to put some money away for my child's college education. And I'm looking at the 529 plan. Mm-hmm. I just want to know if that's the best way of doing it. She's really young.
1: How much money do you plan on putting away a year, Albert?
4: Ooh, that's not really set. It's going to be like 500 maybe right oh. now.
1: Then I would not suggest a 529 plan. There's two kinds of educational plans that you can do. You can do a 529 plan, which are state-sponsored plans for college only, okay? Accredited college only, not college for hair cutting or truck driver school, okay? A regular accredited college. And there's also what's called the Coverdale. And the reason why I asked how much money you wanted to put away, in a 529 plan, you could put up to, like, I think it's like $15,000 a year. In a Coverdell you can put up to $2000 a year. All right. Now why would I want Coverdell over 529? Well because there's different rules on these things. In a 529 program, they're sponsored by individual states. And were you planning on buying a California one because if you're in California, you can buy any one in any state you want. Right. Okay, you could buy Illinois, Florida, California, but what happens in most 529 plans Besides the fact that you can only spend the money on accredited colleges, you also have restrictions on what you can invest it in. Right. In a Coverdell, it's like an IRA, okay? You can start a Coverdell, and you can invest it in anything you want. And Coverdell, you can use it for that beauty school or truck driver school. You can use it for private high school. Okay. So, But you can't do it with a 529 plan. That's only for college.
4: I know Fidelity is the one for California 529. How would I go about
1: uh, you, getting a Coverdell? Okay, you can go to anybody, Schwab, E-Trade, anybody, anybody, and say, I want to open up a Coverdell. They'll say, okay, here's the forms. Yeah. Okay. You know, same thing. It's really simple. And then what you do is you start putting money in it, and then you decide what you want to invest. So go to any place you want. You can go to a bank. I would suggest, you know, a discount broker. You can buy mutual funds. If you're going to buy mutual funds, Schwab has a program called Schwab One, which I like. is a very good vehicle. But you can buy ETFs from anybody, and I like those even have, better. Does it have the same tax implications? Exactly the same. Great. Thanks, Albert. Appreciate the call. Good question. Very good question. You are listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. We present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it's broadcast streamed live live in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time. So I hope you'll tell your friends and family members all about InvestTalk. Justin Klein and I do our very best to make it interesting and instructive. And now, I'm, I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. <music>
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888
1: 992 4278. Let's talk to Joe on Cupertino. How are you doing, Joe? You want to talk about gold? Yes, I do. Thank you
2: for taking the call, Steve. Yes, um, it seems like in the last week or so that uh, we've come off a big high. And uh, what I saw today is like 15, 15 is kind of where it ended, I guess. Can you tell yeah. me, do you think it's going to be going down further or we're going to swing back up? Question.
1: Well, I, I, you know, it's almost impossible to <laughs> tell you what it will do in a short term, as you know. I, I think the yeah. fundamentals are there. For it to continue to rise, basically, Joe. Uh, why I say that is uh, I'm looking at the strength of the U.S. dollar, and the Fed's going to lower interest rates next week. And and you know I mentioned the three things that drive gold is fear, and that's what's been driving gold is the worldwide slowdown economy. But the two other things that drive gold is is dollar. The dollar and the inflation. I think both the dollar will slow down and come off its high. It's been up and up and up and up down the last three days, but it's been going up for a year. And I do think inflation will not get out of hand or thing, but it will start to perk up. I mean, we have really historic inflation. So I think if the world economy starts to improve or our economy starts to improve, that fear, that fear that's driving gold will go away but if the world economy approves that probably put downward pressure on our dollar and maybe give us some a little inflation so i think that will continue to push up gold for the next i don't know 6 months year 2 years i, I don't know i'm not a big gold purse gold person i'm I I, I I i'm buying it because i think the opportunity's there i've had it for a while but i i
5: will exit it when i think it's topped i just don't think it's topped yet this is invest talk made possible by KPP Financial. If, to any degree, you are unsure about the consistency of your skill set with regard to managing your portfolio, now may be a smart time for you to ask KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein for individualized guidance. You can start with a no-obligation phone call to the KPP Financial office in Irvine, California, or send Steve and Justin a message through investtalk.com. The Invest Talk Radio and Podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. Call with questions. eight 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 ninety nine chart We're
1: we'll going to George in San Diego. How are you doing, George?
5: Fine. Thank you, sir. What is your opinion of uh, trust trustee?
1: Are you a first trustee or second trustee?
5: First no. ones only.
1: First trustee. I like them. Okay, Uh, George, you mind if I explain it a little quick for everybody else what they
5: are? Yeah, how much risk is there involved?
1: Okay, and I'll I'll touch on that. A trust deed is where you're talking about a piece of property, everybody, and you are the bank. You're the bank. Think of you're the one carrying the mortgage. That's what a trust deed is. A trust deed is a mortgage carrier. So let's say someone buys an office building and they need... uh, $300,000, $300,000, and that's a first trustee. In other words, the first trustee means you're the first position. First position means that if something goes wrong, you get paid first. Right. Okay? So first trustee's I'm very happy with. Second trustee's I'm not so happy with. But it also depends on how much equity. In other words, if you loan 300000 and the building's worth a million, and you're the first trustee of 300000 there's very little risk there. Exactly. Because you're going to get your money, even if the guy goes bankrupt on this building, whether it's office building or a retail shopping center, I don't care, whatever it is. I still get my money back. You'll get your money back. Right. So the risk, George, goes to how much equity is in there. And if you have 50% coverage, meaning that there's no more than 50% debt as a first trustee, you can have more debt than that, by the way. But as a first trustee, yours, you don't care about those second guys.
5: You I just get paid about. first. Yeah,
1: that's right, because you're going to get paid first. I see. So, as long as you have coverage of 50% or more, that's a very low risk, in my opinion. Now, it's not that liquid, meaning you can't just get your money tomorrow. That's not going to happen. <laughs> no. It's a mortgage.
5: They say they only keep the money for one year.
1: A one year trustee, is that what they are? Yeah. Okay, because they want to get you out of there, probably because they're paying a high interest rate. High interest rate, right. There's nothing wrong with them, George. Oh. Uh, the fear is let's say they go under. Yeah. Okay, let's say that happens. You won't get your money immediately. That doesn't happen. They got to then sell the property. You got to foreclose on them. Oh, yeah. got to wait, wait and wait. Yeah. yeah. But they are very good income producers. So I think that's a, is, yeah. a good part of your overall investment strategy. I think it's a good idea.
5: Okay, Steve. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, George. Appreciate Bye. the call. 888 99 chart, everybody. That's the number 888 992 4278. Okay, uh, fear bubble. This is a a fear bubble is creating a huge buying opportunity, long-term market bull Jim Paulson says. Jim Paulson is a big hedge fund guy. Um, he uh, He feels there's so much fear out there, and how he gauges it is how much cash is sitting on the sideline and how much people are afraid to jump in the market. People are not loading into stocks, even though, we're really close to a market. You know, we're close to the market highs. They're 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 in, they're loading up on bonds. So he says that tells you there's a lot of fear out there of the market, and he likes it. He thinks on a, as a contrarian basis, that's good for the stock market. He thinks it's going to rally toward the end of the year. He may be very well right if the Fed lowers rates, which they are. There's there's 80 percent chance they'll lower. At least this is what. The statistics say 80% chance they'll lower it two more times before the end of the year i'm sure they'll do it one more time uh, i think they might do it a second time and there's a very high chance that we're going to have a chinese deal long before the re-election next year because trump wants to get re-elected he wants to be able to say see what a great negotiator i am right so he wants to so he'll he'll i can see him pushing hard to get that done uh, this is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, 888 99
5: chart. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me?
6: For us. You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's Active 401k program.
5: I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors.
6: The Active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action with the Active 401k program. KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences.
5: Active 401k.
6: Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom.
5: The great thing about achieving financial freedom, you can keep working if you want to, but
0: you don't have to.
6: And here's more good news. KPP clients who are active 401k subscribers will receive a complimentary subscription to the KPP Premium Newsletter. Each Friday, Steve Peasley writes a market action and trend newsletter that serves as a quick summary of the week that was. It also includes stock ideas, portfolio management information, and consumer finance tips. So enroll in the active 401k program and also get the KPP Premium Newsletter. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial, or visit kppfinancial.com.
0: You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk.
1: 888-992-4278. Before the break, I apologize. I didn't get to my trivia question, which I thought was pretty interesting, so I wanted to make sure I get it in. When and where was the first Costco store opened, and how many Costco subscribers are there? Because you remember today, this week we had that big opening store in uh, Shanghai, and they had to shut down. with so many people. Here's my answer. Through mergers, Costco's corporate history dates back to 1976 when it was former when its former competitor Price Club was founded in San Diego, California. And before the Price Club merger, the first Costco branded store opened in Seattle in 1983. 1983. As of July 10, 2019, Costco had a total of 776 warehouses, including 539 in the United States and Puerto Rico. In 2018, Costco has 94.3 million members. 94.3 million members. Doing the math, if you multiply an estimated average annual membership fee of 60 bucks by 94 million, we could calculate that Costco may, might receive approximately 5.6 billion dollars per year in membership fee revenue. And that's where most of the earnings come from. You probably didn't know that. Now, here's a fun fact. The Price family placed Price Club Warehouse's number one, the Costco predecessor, inside a series of old San Diego airplane hangars. I was actually there was when I was young. Those hangar buildings were previously owned by billionaire Howard Hughes. Costco is a pretty interesting story. It has a good history, an interesting history. Anyways. Okay, how about some more facts Job growth slowed again in August to 130,000 new jobs. Okay, that report came out this morning, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. 130,000. Now, that was less than expected. I think they expected about 170. And actually, that turned out to be good news to investors because it it puts the... Uh, uh, it puts the increase in uh, decrease in the Fed fund rate on on the table. Keeps it on the table, so the Fed can't say, "Well, we're just be so strong, we're producing so many jobs, we can't we can't lower rate interest rates." Well, we didn't produce that many, did we? So it keeps it on the table, and I think they will lower weight lower uh, lower the interest rate. Remember, they only control overnight rate to banks. That's it. This one one rate, we're still growing. Wage growth was up three percent. Labor force participation is up. There's no sign of inflation, and the horizon, the and, and uh, no sign of inflation. And the consumers, consumers, are making more money and they're spending it. They are the drivers of our economy. We are still at 37 low, a 37 year low, an unemployment rate, 3.7 percent, I think it was. So the U.S. consumer is strong, and that means the economy remains strong. Okay, it's not as strong as it was, but it's still strong. It's still strong. Just in housing construction, 14,000 new jobs were created. Housing. So maybe we're going to, Maybe that's not weakening that much either. And there's about 1.3 million jobs that are open right now that are available for qualified workers. The problem is, The word qualified workers, having trouble finding them. An estimated 80% of the market is expecting two rate cuts by the end of the year, by the way. I think I mentioned that already. Uh, And do you think the market's up for the year or down for the year? Do you think the FANG stocks are up for the year or down for the year? The FANG stocks are down about 3% for the year. The rest of the market is up 2-3%. That's over the last 12 months, by the way, not just this year. Rolling 12 months. Okay, here comes another caller question. eight 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 ninety nine 99 chart How about if we go to Don in Coronado? How you doing, Don? Hey, good, Steve. How are you? Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. No problem. Love your show. Appreciate
4: your help. Uh, if the way you manage people's money, everyone has the same portfolio, yes. What do you? how do you differentiate between those who want a conservative
1: portfolio and
4: those who want a moderate etc. If everyone's got the same portfolio just a different number of
1: stocks. Okay, I can answer that question. Well, how we do that is we offer different programs. We have a program called an income program which is 50% stocks and 50% bonds. So a person who wants less risk, we will hold the bonds to maturity and we are buying only companies that pay high dividends. That is a less risky portfolio than our stock portfolio. So you have picked what category of risk you want to be in based on what programs we offer. Okay. And so everybody in this program, or the stock program, has all the same stocks. Everybody in the income, balanced income portfolio, has the same amount of bonds, same bonds and stocks in that one. Anybody in the mutual fund program all have the same as everybody else in that program.
4: And you and your partner have the same... You've- Spread your money out across those programs? We put money in
1: each one of those. That's right. We have our own money in each one of those programs. All of the programs we have, we have our own money. So we buy everything at the same time for every client in those programs. I like that aspect of your uh, of your business. Yeah, I think it's only the right way to do it. We expose ourselves to the exact same, practically all my money is there, because I want to be very focused on making sure I make money.
4: Before I give you all my millions, if I wanted to know <laughs> your track record, how could I find
1: that out? Uh, by calling me in the office, uh, we can show you every stock we own, we can show you every stock we purchase in every program, and what it has done as far as back as you want to go.
4: Great. And I was kidding about my millions. I'm actually in the military, so I don't have much.
1: But You're, uh, you're worth a lot of money, though. <laughs> Multi-million thanks, for being in the military. Thanks, okay? Steve. Th- thanks, Don. I appreciate it. 888-99-CHARTERS is our number, everybody. You can reach us. We have lines open, 888 Okay, uh, I'm Steve Peasley, and you're listening to Invest Talk. so I think it's pretty safe to assume that you're serious about investing, and you want to grow your wealth just like me and everybody else that listens to the show, just like everybody else in the world, right? We all want to grow our wealth, but maybe there's a bit of fear that creeps into your judgment, maybe in the process of your buying and selling, maybe fear creeps in. Well, you know... You've got to understand the, the your risk tolerance and the perception of risk when you buy stuff. for instance the blink uh, charging we just talked about you have to assume that that's an extremely high risk stock you don't want a portfolio like that that you know means you're super high risk and maybe you don't know maybe you don't know you have a high risk portfolio well I have a way that you can judge how how risky your portfolio is and how much personal risk you want to take It's called Riskalyze, a tool on InvestTalk.com. It's a questionnaire. It's a short questionnaire. But it attempts to risk your personal, attempts to to, uh, gauge your personal risk tolerance. Try to measure it. And then I put in your portfolio on the other side of it, and it will score the portfolio just like it scored your personal risk tolerance. It's from 0 to 100. And they should match up. So your 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 the risk you take matches the risk that you want to take. Again, it's called risk Go to investtalk.com and take the questionnaire. It's pretty simple, pretty quick. I'm ready for your questions now. 888-99 chart.
5: This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. For serious investors interested in improving their ability to build financial freedom. We have an important invitation to a new KPP Wealth Management Conference. Earning Yield in a No-Yield World, Investing in Real Estate Stocks and Bonds. Speakers will include InvestTalk hosts, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, and they'll be joined by real estate experts and a trust attorney. The October 12th Conference in Irvine, California will cover these topics. Understanding real estate investing, from buy and hold to vacation rentals and land banking. How the trade war and economic trends will affect stocks and bonds. Ways to increase your income potential and defer taxes using trusts. And a lot more. Seating is limited to 50 attendees. Sign up early to get reduced pricing. Tell your friends. The newest KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference is set for October 12th. Learn more and sign up now at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open and Steve and Justin welcome your questions. 888-99-CHART.
1: 888-992-4278. Love to talk to you. Jason, San Diego, how are you doing?
3: Good. My question is, why do mutual funds close to new investors? Very. if I start investing in a fund and then it closes, can I keep adding to my position in that?
1: Very, very good question, Jason. Mutual funds close for one reason. And that reason is, is they're getting too much money for what they invest in. They cannot put that money to work fast enough, or they, you know, they have too much money, Period. One of those two reasons. If you already own shares, Jason, almost all of them that I've ever seen will allow you to buy additional shares. They just closed the door. The mutual fund closes to new investors. If you sold all your shares, shares, Jason, all of them, they would not let you back in. Okay. Now, sometimes they will reopen because sometimes they get the money too fast and they can't put it to work. And therefore, they're going to have bad performance, and they don't want that. So Sometimes they reopen when they have, you know, six months later or so, when they've been able to put that money to work, and they'll reopen. Jason, when a mutual fund closes, that uh-huh. is a good thing. That tells you that those managers are not just looking at greed. Remember, when they close their funds, they close the fund, that means they're not going to take any more money. That means, they, they remember, they earn their money as a percentage of the money they manage. So it's a good thing. If this mutual fund concentrates on small cap stocks, Jason, they uh-huh. should close once they get about three to five hundred million dollars, maybe a billion dollars in the amount. They should close because small cap stocks are not very liquid there's not very many of them. Does that help you?
2: Yeah, that helps a lot. Thank Th- you
1: Thanks, Jason appreciate the call. Joe in Oceanside, how are you doing, Joe?
3: Hey Steve I called you regarding an insurance question and I'm calling you again because I have another one. You're not pertaining to me but one of my wife's co-workers. She's 21 years old. She has one child. She's a single mother that's two years old. She was speaking to a guy that he was trying to sell her universal life insurance. And so I wanted to get your take on what you think will be best for her to get.
1: I would not get universal life insurance if I was her. I would not. In my personal opinion, she should get a quote on the universal life insurance, okay?
2: It's $500,000. Okay,
1: let's say it's $500,000. Her premium is going to be, I don't know, $200 a month. Uh, do you know what it is?
2: It's $107 for
1: the first year. $107 for a month, the first year? Uh-huh. Now she should go out and get a term life policy quote. Term, maybe two from a different guy. Okay. Term life insurance policy quote for the same $500,000. And uh-huh. that's probably going to be $15 a month, by the way. She's 21. Yep. That could be $10 a month. What she should do then is take the difference, the $90 per month difference, Mm -hmm. and just start putting it into an IRA and start investing it. And she will make a lot more money doing that than she would make using the universal life policy. They sell it to you saying it's an investment. A
2: Roth IRA or a regular IRA? At
1: 21, I do a Roth IRA. And she'll make a a lot more money over the life of that insurance product than she okay. ever would buy the universal life.
3: Would you be opposed to opening up a mutual fund like you suggested? No, nope,
1: I would definitely th- suggest that she do that, yes.
3: Well, what, what kind of mutual fund? I know you said no load.
1: Always look for your no load funds, just a no load mutual fund. She can get it at, uh, she can go to Schwab and open up a Schwab 1 account, she can do a Ridex, she can go to Vanguard, different places. All no-load funds. Joe, appreciate the call. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you very much for the call. Okay, let's go to Elias and San Ramon. How you doing, Elias? Yeah, thank you.
4: Uh, the reason I'm calling is my dad's 60, and he's going to be retiring in the beginning of next year. And his job offered him the choice of directing a portion or all of his pension plan dollars to uh, Fidelity.
1: Uh-huh.
4: I guess it's kind of a two-part question. One, is this a good idea? And two... What formula do you guys use to figure out how you want to allocate it with stocks and bonds? I know there's something to do with your age. And then yeah.
1: Is the other side of the coin, is he to take it in a lump sum?
4: No, the other one is I think it just stays within the pension plan.
1: What company works for?
4: Northern California Electrical Workers. Okay.
1: The reason why I asked Elias huh? is because if he worked for an airline company, I would say, yeah, let's get out of that. Oh, that's
4: a good idea, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, a lot of pensions are underfunded. This is my big, big concern. The question here is, should he take the amount of money that he gets in his pension and put it over into Fidelity, in which he would have control and pick and choose his own investments, or stay in the pension plan in which they pay him a certain amount of money every month until he dies, I'm assuming? Is he married? Yes. I apologize for asking questions, but no, sure, you may not right. know the answers. But if he dies and he's collecting a pension, does his wife get the full pension benefits? Yes. Because you can see how that will impact my answer. The men usually die before the women. Right. You know, and you want the wife or your mom to get full benefits if she right. can. Now what you need to do is figure out how long he's going to live. You figure it's going be until he's about 77 years old. Uh-huh. That's what normally people live to. Maybe a little longer if he's already 60. Right. How many years that is. How much money he gets per month. And then figure out that lump sum. Okay? Okay. Then take the lump sum they're going to flip over to Fidelity. And then compound it by about 6 or 7% per year. And always, every year, withdraw the same amount of money that he's going to need, or how much he would take out of the pension. So when you compound it, but take money out, it's a fairer comparison. You okay. know? Generally speaking, it's better to take the money. The whole lump sum? The whole lump sum. Generally speaking, I can't say for sure. Yeah. I don't know what his benefits are. But the few that I've done the math on, the ones that come and talk to me about this, uh-huh. I do the math. And it seems like invariably they could do better if they just invest in a smart investments. Now, the other part of the question they have is supposed to be for every year of your age is about the approximate amount you have in bonds. Okay. So if you're 60, 60% in bonds, 40% in stocks. Okay. But the caveat is that you shouldn't really be buying bonds in a rising interest rate environment. Right. Right. Or you buy short-term bonds in a rising interest rate environment. Okay. It depends how conservative he wants to be. And at age 60, and this is his uh, pension, he needs to be somewhat conservative. Conservative, yeah. yeah. Elias, I hope that helps. And if you have yeah. any specific questions, you can give me a call at the office. I'll run you through all the numbers for you. Oh, this is great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Elias. Appreciate the call. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here. To help you achieve financial freedom, financial freedom and our work will continue right after this break so get your questions in now 888 99 chart
0: you're listening to an encore presentation of invest talk please call with your questions and comments though 888 99 chart 888 99 c h a r t and steve will answer them on the next invest talk Let's go to Peter in Anaheim.
1: How are you doing, Peter?
3: Good. How are you, Steve? I'm
1: doing good. Thanks
3: for the call. Thanks for taking my call. My question is about how to find out whether the institution is buying by looking at the level two time and sale window.
1: Okay. This is how you do it. I don't know if you have the time, Peter, but if you're looking at an individual stock that you're considering... If you watch it for a few days on level two and everybody else, for everybody else, level two, you get to see the buys and sells. You get to see the offers and the bids. You get to see how big they are. And you get to see them click off. In other words, the selling and buying of the stock. So you get to know the size of the trade, price movement of the trade, and how deep the level is because level two takes you all the way down to all those people that are offering bids and asks, down deep. You know, I'm bidding $10, another guy's bidding $9.95, another guy $9.90, and you get to see their sizes. So, Peter, what you want to look for is what we call block trading. In other words, you'll see, you're looking at a company and it trades 500, 1,000, 200 shares, 150, 500 shares, and then you see a block of 10,000 shares trade. And then five minutes later, another block of 10,000 shares traded, either bought or sold. I can't tell you which. Uh, it doesn't matter which direction. Whether the prices going up or down, doesn't matter. I'm just trying to point out, watch for those big block trades. And, Peter, that's when you know that institutions are either dumping the stock or buying the stock because you'll see the sell of a 10,000 at a lower price. They're willing to take a lower price. There's people, someone's dumping the stock. If you see it at a higher price, someone is gathering the stock, accumulating. That's the only way that you can tell recently, I mean, right now, whether someone is buying or some institution is buying and selling. Because if you wait for a month and or a month and a half and get the report on the number of shares traded and all that stuff, well, you know, it's kind of too late. So the
3: transaction price is higher or lower relative to the bid and the ask.
1: Yep, exactly. You'll see, like, all of a sudden, a, a 10,000 bid or, or a, a 10,000 ask will come in, and that tells you if they're dumping or, or buying. So, all you right. want to look for the action. Look for the action on the block trading, the big blocks. And you only do that if the stock usually trades at 500 or 1,000. Some stocks trade at 10,000 and 30,000 shares normally. You're looking for that. If it's normally ten to 20,000 shares traded, look for that 50,000 share block. If it's normally 100 to 500 shares traded, look for that 5,000 share block. You see how that works?
3: Oh, I see. Uh, it, how about dark pool? Is it the well, transactions in the dark pool are recorded in the level two
1: as well? Well, they record that Sometimes they trade overnight and a big block happens and they get reported the next day and you you don't get to see it during the action of the day. But they're not as common as people think they are. It's usually an institution comes in and starts to position himself uh, over a period of days and sometimes weeks into a stock. And you'll see it at the action. Peter, appreciate the call. Thank you, Steve. Good, good question. Thank you very much. So we had um, uh, mortgage rates are falling again. Falling le- two weeks now. 30-year fixed mortgage rate is 3.49%. And the 15-year is 3%. And the mortgage rate is tracking the yield of the 10-year Treasury. And if the Fed lowers the overnight rate right next week or the week after whenever the fed meets the 10-year treasury may and the short term and long term may fall even further and therefore mortgage rates may follow suit and get even a little cheaper than that that is a very low price my first house was 12 and a quarter percent many years ago that's what a 30-year fixed cost but at 3.49 you know that's pretty low Can we go to negative rates? That has been a question I've been asked. And can we go to negative rates like uh, we've seen, negative mortgage rates, like we've seen in certain other countries in Europe? And the answer is it's possible, but I don't think it's probable. But I do think the mortgage rates are going to continue coming down. Getting a little cheaper, a little cheaper. I think they'll go down maybe as low as 3%, maybe even a little lower than that. But I don't... Think so. You know, it all depends. If we go into recession, yeah, we we could easily go further down if we go into recession. Um, but at this point, recession is still a ways off. I just don't. It's whenever there's an inverted yield curve, usually goes recession. But maybe we're not going to do it this time. It's possible. I'm Steve Peasley and this completes another Invest Talk program, everybody. Please remind your friends that they can listen to Invest Talk five days a week in the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time and they can download podcast shows anytime they want. Justin will be here on Monday. I will return on Tuesday. So everybody have a great weekend.